Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This story is uh, fascinating on uh, Global News this past week. And uh, let me just read you a couple of lines. Researchers have revealed that they received a radio signal from an ancient galaxy that's nearly 9 billion light years away. 9 billion light years away. The um, radio frequency signal was picked up by the giant meter wave radio telescope in India and originated in the galaxy, and they have a lot of letters and numbers, alphanumeric uh, galaxy, located 8.8 billion light years from Earth. So unless I have this wrong, I don't remember grade nine, um, light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. So this galaxy is 8.8 billion light years away, that is one heck of a long way away. And sometimes, you know, you can be listening to your favorite radio station and you can drift in and out of the signal 20 miles from the transmitter of the station. And this thing's coming in from 8.8 billion light years. Uh, I have no idea what it sounds like. I don't know what we do with that. I don't know what the Opportunities and options are. Let's talk about that with Chris Rutkowski, science writer who's written extensively on UFOs and related subjects. Chris has degrees in science and education and recently retired from the University of Manitoba. We have some other issues to talk to Chris about uh, this half hour, but let's let's start with this. Chris, some context here. 8.8, so 9 billion light years away. That's a long way. It is a long way. And uh, uh, to put it in some context, the universe itself the whole universe is only thought to be about 14 or 15 billion years old. So this uh, galaxy is really, really out there. So how do we pick up a signal that comes from so far away? And, and can we even do the math to determine how long? Well, we know it's 8.8 billion years, I guess. <laughs> but what, what, what does that signal sound like? What do, we, do we have like a top 40 coming in from... You know, the, the galaxy, the alphanumeric galaxy, what, what kind of signal do you think it would be? Well, it's just really a, a burst of energy, and that's, that's all it is. You know, calling it a radio signal is, is you know, maybe misleading a bit in the sense it's not, uh, like you say, not a top 40. It's not the latest news from Alpha Centauri or anything like that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's actually just a, a burst of energy that just happens to be in the radio part of the, the spectrum. The, the frequency just happens to be in that area. And um, it's actually a trick uh, that they were able to uh, detect this so far away. There's something called gravitational lensing, which is usually re- applied to uh, to light. Uh, and that is that if there's a you know a very massive object between us and something far away, the light from that that object far away will actually bend, and we can see it uh, uh, very easily. And what it is, you know, light's just a uh, Know, at a certain frequency, and the radio signals at a certain frequency. So this this uh, radio signal from this galaxy just as happenstance has it uh, to be directly in line with uh, another object, and that's how they were able to see so far away. I mean, we can detect radio signals from you know other galaxies, and uh, you know it's almost commonplace now. But to have one from this far away is only through the, sort of a trick of nature, and it's. It, it's really quite remarkable, and it really does allow astronomers to probe very, very early in the in the lifetime of the universe. I mean, this goes back, you know, 
you know, two thirds of the way before, you know, when the universe was created. So this is this is really probing the origin of of our world and universe itself. Yeah, the news story said uh, this is from an era long before our own solar system materialized. But what do we do with this this kind of information? What's 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 the destiny? What's the objective? What happens when you get this kind of this kind of information? This kind of energy burst? Well, you know. It's, <laughs> It's basically a gee whiz kind of thing, but uh, the idea is that we are able to probe uh, the origin of our universe and better understand you know, how how old the universe is and the age of stars, the age of matter, and you know, in that context, being able to understand our own sun and mention the solar system. You know, Earth has only been around four and a half billion years or so, and uh, so, you know, to have something, you know, send a signal in our direction, it's actually not in our direction, it's going off in all directions, but we're detecting it, uh, you know, almost twice as uh, far away as that. Uh, it, it says that, you know, we're, we're very small in terms of the rest of the universe, and, and, but being able to, to put us in this perspective is quite a scientific achievement, and this is really allowing the advancement of science. Okay, I, I have to ask you the question. Is there intelligent life somewhere else in the universe? Well, there better be, because there's not much of it down here. I can tell you that <laughs> yeah. um, I thought you know, you'd say that. Most, most astronomers <laughs> are, are in agreement that there probably is uh, intelligent life out there in the universe somewhere, just that the, the distance is so great. I mean, just imagine if there was or is uh, a, a planet around a star, much like our sun or something like that, around that particular galaxy that's 9 billion light years away, we would have no way of knowing, knowing of no way of contacting it, no way of having any communication. And, you know, that's just something we can detect as stars and galaxies much further away and, and who knows how many in between. So we really don't know. We have a fairly good guess that... Uh, there might be planets around some stars uh, near us that may have some life. There might even be life within our solar system. I know there's there's efforts being launched uh, by NASA in a little while to, to go to some of Jupiter or Saturn's moons, for example. And there is always this hope that there's something still on Mars. But, you know, right now it's, it's anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, and uh, you know this far better than I do, but I've just read the, some accounts. Some people say we should not try to answer or shouldn't uh, pursue um, a, a signal or a burst of energy, as you described it, like this that has come uh, from 8.8 billion um, light years away, because we don't know how friendly or unfriendly the uh, the source of that particular uh, energy burst might be, but it's been so long. It, I mean, they can't be upset with us over anything, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you'd think that uh, we've been water under the bridge. There's a time limit, right, on, on any... Uh, time limit. Yeah. But, you know, we do get receive uh, and, and detect radio signals from things much, much closer, mm-hmm. and we do detect um, planets and, and uh, you know, detect uh, the building blocks of life are, are being detected around planets not that far away from us. Uh, you know, a stone's throw. Right now, Avatar is in the theaters right now, and you know that's based on a on a on a possibility that uh, the the uh, watery planet or or object that the the avatar creatures are on is actually a a theorized uh, satellite or theorized moon around a planet that's uh, orbiting around uh, Alpha Centauri. Actually, not Alpha Centauri, but one of the other Centauri, I think. 
which is the closest star to Earth, and that's, uh, you know, uh, three or four, only three or four light years away. Uh, so that's really, really close, and it just shows you that, you know, the possibilities are there, and somebody has, you know, James Cameron and others have speculated wildly about what life might be like that close to us. Um, and, you know, there's other possibilities. Uh, years ago, I interviewed uh, Jay Allen. Is it Jay Allen Heineck? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I interviewed him after Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. And he had something to do with that movie. I forget what it was. Maybe he was a consultant. But I asked him, how close to the truth could that possibly be? And he said to me, I'll never forget this, a lot closer than you might imagine, Mr. Green. <laughs> I don't know if he had a hold of both of my legs, was pulling real hard, or whether... He was telling me something. Well, you know, uh, Alan, uh, I knew uh, Alan Heineck uh, a, a little bit. Um, he actually stayed over at my home when he came to Winnipeg a couple of times. Um, and uh, um, he, uh, his uh, textbook on astronomy was one of the ones that I used when I was uh, taking astronomy in university. So, you know, he knew his stuff. And he was not only an astronomer, a very good astronomer, but also uh, was very much interested in UFOs or now UAPs and actually looked at evidence. He was uh, uh, United States Air Force's hitman when it came to uh, UFO reports. Um, and, you know, he had seen a lot more things and heard a lot more things than uh, that most people did. So, you know, he, he wasn't speaking just out of his hat. He was, he was speaking from some experience. Okay. I want to ask you about that. The asteroid that came within, I think it was 3,600 kilometers of Earth, and we've seen the report saying that's closer than anything else has come to Earth, and I don't... Are we correct that we didn't know about this thing until fairly recently? Yeah, it was discovered by uh, an amateur astronomer, actually, uh, just happened, who was devoted to checking out things in the sky, and it was only discovered very shortly before... Uh, before it arrived. came up. Yeah. yeah. What about this, this asteroid? So it was... The size of a delivery truck, we understand. It came to within 3,600 kilometers of the Earth on Thursday, closer than many of our communication satellites. Um, closest recorded, I understand it's the closest such encounter in recorded history. Uh, was there reason to be fearful or concerned? I mean, if this thing had hit the planet, what might have happened? Well, you know, it is a big if there. If, if it had hit the planet, um, objects like this... Um, uh, occasionally get uh, into our atmosphere, and most of the time they burn up. I mean, it's hard to imagine something the size of an Amazon delivery van burning up, but uh, these things are moving so fast when they hit the Earth's atmosphere, uh, they get really, really heated and break apart for the most part. Uh, from time to time, uh, some survive uh, the re-entry, or the entry, I suppose, uh, into Earth's atmosphere, and, you know, they, they fall to Earth. We have craters on, uh, you, can, you know, you see all the craters on the moon. We have craters on Earth, uh, not that many because of atmosphere and weathering and so forth. Uh, there's a Behringer, Behringer uh, meteor crater in Arizona that probably some of your listeners have taken a trip to. Um, and there's Crater Lake in Oregon. Uh, in, in Canada, there's a, a bunch of them too. Uh, the Ungava Peninsula in northern Quebec has a, has a very large feature. There's a place called West Hawk Lake in Manitoba, which is a lake that is uh, a filled-in meteor crater from something that fell. It was kind of like a flying mountain uh, wow. that managed to to, uh, to hit the Earth about a million years ago or something like that, and, uh, 10 million years ago probably. And, um, you know, these things happen from time to time. Now, the larger, uh, the, 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 sorry, the, the more 
you know, smaller ones like this asteroid that was detected, you know, they, uh, they tend to burn up, as I mentioned. Uh, sometimes people see them as beautiful blue uh, streaks in the sky that last for three or four or five or six seconds, something like that. The typical shooting star that you see when you're sitting around uh, at your cabin is probably just the size of a grain of sand. Again, but it's moving so fast, it just vaporizes instantly and shines with a huge, bright white glow. Um, but sometimes, you know, things are a little bit bigger, you know, not just a grain of sand, but a you know, football, basketball, something like that. There was something that fell over Alberta the size of a refrigerator that was spectacular to see, and astronomers and, and uh, uh, geologists were able to pick up pieces that were on the ground, and they were still... Uh, you know, they weren't hot or anything like that, but they were, you know, very significant and uh, picked up and sent to museums. So from time to time, but you know, the uh, the possibility of something like this uh, coming down and causing a big sploosh, uh, like we see in some of the Hollywood movies, uh, you know, pretty pretty unlikely. But uh, the possibility is there, but nothing to you know, to, to lose sleep over, I don't think. Okay, so we don't need Bruce Willis and his band of no, no. meteor movers. Um, now, what about the story about the Earth's core stopping spinning in 2009 and then is speculated by some, maybe there's evidence, I don't know, that it could be spinning in the opposite direction now. Is that uh, significant? Is it something that we should be, I don't know, worried about or keeping an eye on? Or is it, is, what's going on? Well, I think we should always be, um, uh, you know, a, a little bit interested in what the Earth itself is doing. I mean, this is this is us. We're we're you know we're we're living on this rocky thing that's flying uh, around through space. Um, and you know, for comparison, if if the size of the Earth was reduced to the size of an apple, let's say, and when you pick up an apple and you sort of breathe on it a little bit and get that little film of your breath, a little moisture, uh, to polish it up. That thickness of your moisture breath is the same thickness as our atmosphere, or the entire atmosphere. In fact, the oceans probably would fit in that as well. So we're living on basically a chunk of rock, and the entire Earth is spinning. Uh, at the center of the rock of the Earth is this core, which is, which is solid, and it's a little misleading to say that it's stopped spinning. What's happened, I mean, the Earth is constantly spinning. All of us are constantly spinning. Uh, but what's happened is that we've... Some people more than others. Yeah, yeah. The, the Earth's <laughs> core has always been spinning, and it's uh, been spinning a little faster than the rest of the Earth. Sort of, we've sort of been uh, lagging behind, I suppose. But what's happened over the past little while, it seems that it's slowed a little bit to the point where it's actually going to be probably uh, moving slower than the rest of us. Now, what that means, probably nothing, because it's the amount of slowing down is like 0.1% or something like that. Okay. But uh, the point that it's occurring at all is very interesting geologically. We simply don't know what would happen if it slowed even more at at a greater rate, but probably won't happen for some time. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.